page turner. Today we are again stuck on a page because we don't have Kevin joining us, but we do have a special guest joining us today. We've got Reverend Brad Hinton with us, who is our new um, pastor of missions and involvement. Welcome, Brad. How are you? Great. Glad to be here. So we have to confess a little bit. We're really sorry that we didn't give you notice ahead of time. We all kind of thought that you knew, and so you're truly in the hot seat right now, um, but you'll be fine. It won't be any harder than, than preaching a sermon to the congregation. <laughs> uh, yeah. But we're glad to have you here um, joining us today. Um, how are you doing, Shane? How, I, I was not in church on Sunday. I, I missed it. So how was, how was Sunday? It was good. Um, you know, we're still preaching through some of the parables of Jesus in, in Matthew's gospel, you know, not all, all of them. Um, and we still got a, a couple more to go. And uh, you know, the, the great thing is, is that uh, people seem to respond to the sermon from Sunday on the wheat and the weeds. And it's a, an interesting parable uh, that touches on the problem of evil and how God really confronts it. And he confronts it in a way that uh, is different than we would. And uh, so it was very much a, a parable of, of hope uh, for all of us. Yeah. Well, good, good, good feedback. Yes, yeah, yeah, we, we, we need that, uh, especially <laughs> in a dark time like this. Um, it's, it's always good to have uh, some hope. Yeah, yeah. So Brad, well, since we've been kind of doing this um, Zoomcast podcast thing, um, we talk a lot about the pandemic and how things have been, how we've kind of been personally coping. Shane gives himself a haircut. He's learned a new skill. Um, I'm just pulling my hair out, trying to figure out how to parent and work and entertain my kids 24 seven. But how have you been coping during this time with your family and just in, in life in general? Sure. It's, uh, it is an interesting place that we find ourselves in the world, no doubt. Um, Y'all know that um, my wife, Meredith, is a pastor as well, so I say that I'm a full-time pastor, I'm a full-time preacher's husband, I'm a full-time dad, all at the same time, all at the same place. Um, so, you know, it's, it just is what it is. Um, I think we're doing the best that we can. Uh, everybody is, and everybody gets a little extra grace at this, this point um, as they continue to live and, and do whatever they're called to wherever they are so Shane and I have older children so they can we can kind of say you know go entertain yourself go find something to do but you have a three-year-old you have a toddler yeah and I how how is that going for you guys yeah Daniel Tiger is our friend on PBS kids um <laughs> he's great hey, that's a Mr. Rogers project that's right that's, that's right awesome. I know um Meredith and I took a trip to Pittsburgh um, she had on her bucket list to go uh, from like high school um, to eat a, a sandwich at Primanti Brothers. So we took a, a road trip up there um, and uh, I didn't know that Mr. Rogers was Pittsburgh. Um, so we saw Latrobe, Latrobe, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And uh, saw part of the set in one of the museums up there. Um, so it was, it was really fun. So when we came home and um, dug into Daniel Tiger, it was like, ah, this is Mr. Rogers. This is great. You know? Um, so it, it's a lot of fun. Um, he, he's, um, he's doing great. Um, kind of some news that, um, 
that Meredith has shared with uh, her church is that at the end of the month, uh, she's going to step out of her role and become an at-home mom. Um, so that's a huge deal. Um, I know. Um, so she shared that with her church a while back, and um, she feels that God's called her to to come home. Um, and uh, so that'll shift our our life incredibly. Um, you know, there will be challenges with it, no doubt, but there's going to be a whole lot of good um, out of it as well. Um, so right now, Tuesdays are um, epic in our house because we both have staff meetings and clergy meetings and all of that all at the same time, you know. Uh, so um, we've walked through some stories, you know, this is, these are the things that are happening today. We have meetings on our computers and um, if you need to do this, you can do that. If, you know, maybe not this, um, but he's been really great. Well, good. That, that will definitely, um, although she's going from one full-time to another full-time job being a stay-at-home mom, it's definitely, um, it's definitely has its challenges, but it's very rewarding. Um, but that's awesome. She'll, she'll cherish that time that she gets spending that with him and, yeah, this reminds me of a vision. Uh, one of my favorite saints is uh, Catherine of Siena. Uh, she's uh, known to be a doctor of the church, and that's just someone who uh, just knows a God in, in such a way that you could consult the person as a master of, of, of the Christian doctrine and theology. Anyway, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but uh, I, I heard that she saw a vision, and it was a room filled with crosses. And a voice said uh, to Catherine, choose your cross and so she looked into the room and she saw this large cross in the back and she says i want that cross and then the voice says you cannot have that cross that's the largest cross that cross is reserved for parents of young children <laughs> <laughs> you know but i will say there's some truth in that in that christian uh christianity understands family life as an exercise of discipleship and an exercise of cross bearing which is Denial of self, mm -hmm. deny yourself for the sake of the other, and that's what love truly is. It's 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 my it's your interests over mine, and nothing can cultivate in that cultivate that in us quite like children. I mean, you really have to renounce everything: your comfort, your sleep, your all the pleasures in life completely are sacrificed, mm -hmm. um, and so there is a. There is great veracity in that vision of, of Catherine. So I just thought I'd pass that along to Brad to give him some open confidence. Right, right. No, I, I remember, you know, uh, the service piece. Uh, we were in the hospital and uh, day two in the hospital, you know, after Seth had been born and the nurse looked at me and she's like, leave your fries, dad. They're going to get cold. Won't be the first time, won't be the last. Come on, you got to do this. You know, that's just part of it. You know. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and you know, it could be a topic. I think well, maybe for our Zoom cast and just marriage and family, mm -hmm. uh, and that marriage. You know, I, 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 sometimes those who are single look at those who are married as as living a more fulfilled life. And and what I've had to say uh, is, no, that's a cross too. There's a, there's a great demands, great sacrifice. So even in singleness, there's sacrifice. But even in marriage and family, there are tremendous sacrifices as well. Both of them have their own forms of suffering. It's just expressed differently, but both of them lead to uh, joy. Mm -hmm. yeah, there is joy in that. But the renunciation of the self, <laughs> that's marriage and the family. 
in just about anything. <laughs> there is a light at the end of the tunnel, though. I mean, and it happens in the blink of an eye. I had, we had three children in three years, which I don't recommend. Um, and I was a stay-at-home mom during those, the first 10 years of that. Um, and I remember, the, and every mom will say this, that the days and hours are long but the years go by in a heartbeat and it's so true. I mean, my oldest is going to be a sophomore and I, how, how did that happen? So, um, it's, it is rewarding, but it's extremely exhausting. <laughs> sure. You know, one thing Meredith articulated is that as she shared this information with people, uh, moms know the number of years. It's like the, the time was cherished so much that, it's like, I knew that it was eight years. I knew that it was 10 years. I knew that it was four years. I knew that it was um, because it was so valued. Yeah. yeah. And that's not, to, that's not to, to put down by any stretch of the imagination. People are called to, to a career. Mm -hmm. um, this is just what she's discerned that God has called her to. And it doesn't mean that she has to do that forever either. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, she'll always be a mom, obviously. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that she has to be home. So speaking of calling, how we all like knowing a little bit of everyone's past and you um, come to us from Pine Grove um, UMC and Friendship UMC, um, you were there for four years. Um, how, I guess, I guess people will want to know, how did you get called to DUMC or how did you find us? And maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, how you, the little bit of, a, I don't think a lot of, um, people understand our process on how pastors come, you know, it, it's not like an ad on Craigslist or an Indeed mm -hmm. where you, you know, apply, but can you walk us through how you, how you ended up at DUMC? Sure. So um, when people uh, often ask me, you know, well, how long have you been at a particular place? Methodist pastors change every four years, right? Um, and uh, I think that may have been the trend at, at a at a period of time, um, but we are appointed one year at a time, and we can really get a phone call at any point and move. Um, elders are itinerant, deacons um, are not itinerant. Um, so my wife, who's a, a deacon, um, the bishop appoints her, um, but in a different way, um, whereas elders say, we'll go where we're sent. So um, that and when you say appoint, it it is. Let's just clarify. It's the bishop that is appointing. Right. You guys. Okay. Ultimately, it is the bishop who says, "Brad, you're going to go here." Okay. Um, and that's just what we agree to. That that um, we'll go where we're sent. Um, now it is a conversation, as well. So it's a conversation between uh, the pastor the church through the SPRC, PPRC, um, the cabinet and the bishop, but ultimately the bishop is the one that says, this is where you'll go. Um, so uh, each year we fill out a profile. Um, we update our profile online. Um, it asks us different questions about our calling, about um, worship, about what we've done, all kinds of different things. Um, when I... Um, when I started seminary, um, I uh, received a, a, a fellowship uh, through the Duke Endowment. I was a rural ministry fellow, which meant that the Duke Endowment paid for my tuition. Um, in turn, I serve a rural church for five years. 
Um, so I, I started on that track. Well, after uh, seminary, I discerned that uh, it was important for me to spend some time as a chaplain. Um, so I worked as a pediatric chaplain resident at UNC hospitals for the children's hospital. Um, of course, there are five hospitals there. So when I was on call, I would respond to every death, every code, every Bible request uh, through the night. Um, and um, so from 4.30 on, it was me covering a level one trauma center in five hospitals, right? Um, so that was a really good experience. Um, it, it's called clinical pastoral education, CPE. Um, and, and I did one of those units my last year of seminary um, in trauma surgery and then three units in pediatrics for a year. Um, then after that, I requested, uh, so I, I asked for an appointment. Um, I just spoke to my district superintendent and said, uh, filled out my profile and said, I would like to serve a two-point charge in the mountains. Um, and so I was appointed to a three-point charge in the mountains. And uh, my dear said, it's a bonus church. You get a bonus. <laughs> Buy two, get one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so I served um, in Burnsville, which is in between Asheville and Boone. Um, at three churches, uh, 9, 10, and 11, every Sunday, three different locations. That was fun. Um, I would start the service at one, leave during the closing hymn, and shake everybody's hand as I was leaving. Then the second church had started. I showed up, um, I picked up wherever they were, um, and uh, then closing hymn. Uh, so I would do the benediction and then the closing hymn, and then I would shake their hands as I would leave. <laughs> And then go to the third church, which had already started, and uh, pick up through that. Um, and then, then I would stand at the back of the last church and shake their hands as they would leave. And have a cup you know, of coffee. As, as, as funny as that sounds, what our hearers, our viewers need to understand is that that's the norm. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. Really? You know, we're in the exception. David's United Methodist Church, the moderate to large congregation, that is not the norm. Uh, what, 30 in the conference, maybe? Yes. I mean, most of Methodism are made up of these multi-point charges uh, uh -huh. and uh, of congregations under what, 50 to, you know, sure. or under 100 for sure. But that's normal. That's what normal looks like. Yes. Yeah. So to have an, uh, have an elder, um, they kind of pull their resources and mm. hopefully work together and um, they share. So... All right, I have to ask this though. I'm I'm assuming, obviously, that you use the same sermon for all oh, yeah. churches. Oh yeah. So you have everybody's kind of on the same right. same stuff. That, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You just changed the name, right? If you're, <laughs> you're going to use a bad il illustration that's about somebody else, that other church, just change the name as you go over. You know, right. Over there, you know, Jane at the other church, and then the other way, it's Shirley. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I would, in my sermon, put parentheses and name the three churches, and remember, I think I did one time I named the wrong church where I was standing in, and they were like, we know now! We know who you love! <laughs> you know, so. And, you know, and, and I've done that before, and you can actually, there are moments when, when you've preached multiple times, and even if well, when we were open, you know, we were, I was preaching three times a, a Sunday, you will be in the, in, you'll be preaching and think to yourself, have I just said this? Or, right, right. Am I, I repeating myself? Yeah. Did I, did I tell you? So then I would, I would drive with my robe on, 
Yep. And I always thought, what if I get a ticket <laughs> with my robe on? <laughs> you know, what happens then? What's the cop going to say uh, when I get pulled for um, speeding, drive, driving too fast? Yeah, to make to the next church on time, which there was no such thing as on time because the church already started. So it was just when I when I jumped into it, I was like the next three hours, it was wide open. Um, and it was, you know, it was great. Um, we were, at, uh, um, the, one of the, the second church was the closest United Methodist church, I think to Mount Mitchell, tallest point east of the mm -hmm. Mississippi river. Mm -hmm. Um, so the view was incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I went to Appalachian, so I love the mountains. Um, the, the mountains have always called me. It's just part of my life. You know, I'm a ski patroller, so I love, um, I love snow in the mountains and it just is what it is. So after, um, after that, we discerned um, Meredith would be moving to, um, to Weddington, which talking about joining churches, when she graduated from seminary, she moved to Burnsville. And what we did is we wrote a, another grant to the Duke Endowment and she was the youth missioner for 10 Methodist churches. Oh uh, so we had a 10 church youth ministry three three-point charges and one station, which is a church by itself. Um, so uh, because they're, you know, you, in small rural churches, you, you might have four or six or, and, you know, half of those are um, two families, right? Two, three, you know, however that works. So, you know, it's hard in a small place to have a youth ministry where it's like, well, we're all cousins. <laughs> we're coming to to youth you know i've had a district superintendent say when you're looking at the leadership try and find the the, the least related people that you can to put on the committees um, <laughs> when both sides of the aisle are related you know it is um those are kind of some of the the nuances of rural places but i think james b when he wrote the the, the indenture of trust for the duke endowment talked about how the, the rural Methodist districts are the bone and sinew of, um, of the nation or of, of the country, if you will. And that's one of the reasons why he, he said that it was so important was because it influenced his life so much. And it was such an important part of his life that, that he said, I want to I direct some money at this. Again, um, it's an important point. Let me just speak into that very, very quickly. Sure. That, that the rural church is very much the heart of United Methodism, at least in this, in this country, especially in the, the South and in this, in this region. And, you know, there's this perception, almost a stereotype, you know, that, oh, well, you know, the rural church is not as important as, oh, the suburban or the city church. But these rural congregations are the lifeblood, and they can do something and are doing some incredible ministry. My first appointment was in, uh, in a rural church in the people there were on fire for the Lord and were doing some, some great things. Um, so it's, it's really uh, foundational, the, the rural church, very much so. Sure. And when I looked at the number of people who live in the city of Albemarle versus the people that live in the city of Davidson, I think Davidson actually is a smaller town than where I came from. And when I tell people that, they're like, what? Right. Because the proximity of you know, Charlotte and being in Mecklenburg County, um, so I'm still thinking small town as well, even though it's, a, it's much different, but it's still small college town. Well, you go back a few years and uh, even Davidson United Methodist Church would have been a rural church. I mean, mm -hmm. they, 
the the population explosion has happened, I think, within the last, what, 30 years? Yeah, 20-ish. hundred years ago, it was a rural, rural setting. It was a rural appointment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe even 50 years ago, so sure. Right. So after Burnsville, we moved um, to Pine Grove by itself. Um, and I was there for two years, and then the district superintendent said, could, could we add another church? Another church closed uh, that was on a charge. They said, would you, would you do this? And we were like, okay. Um, so then for the last two years, it was a two-point charge. Initially started as a station and um, moved, to that, moved to that. So um, then to get to Davidson, uh, as I was discerning a, a call, um, uh, um, of course, I'm thinking about Meredith and thinking about um, my appointment and what that would look like. Um, so I thought it might be um, an interesting um, idea to open myself up to becoming an associate pastor. I'd been uh, the pastor um, for that point. What that would be, I've served five churches um, at that point. So. Um, what would that be like? And I remember telling Meredith, I said, wouldn't it be awesome if I could become a missions pastor? And uh, then this opened up. Um, and so I can't tell you how excited I was um, of the possibility and to think that this dream could be a reality. Cause I thought, you know, how many missions pastors are there across the conference? Um, and so um for associates in the Western North Carolina Conference, we interview, which is different than um, like the North Carolina Conference. I think they just appoint them, period. Um, but I think the way that we do it makes a lot of sense because we as associates need to be able to work within the team and be a part of the team. So to make sure it's a good fit for everybody, uh, mm-hmm. it's important to have that interview process. So interviewed, um, said I would love to come and be a part of um, the ministries and uh, be the missions pastor at Davidson. And, and then we waited, <laughs> we waited for the bishop uh, to say if that was right or if I was needed at another church or um, how, how that would go. And yep. then I found myself here. So this has got to be really hard. I mean, for anybody right now, transitioning into a new role, a new job, a new location during during a pandemic when we are actually not even in the church working right now, we're all working remotely from home. So I don't even think you've met a lot of the staff. I mean, you've probably met them all via phone or video or on our staff calls, but it's so different like when you're working in the environment and being in the office and everybody sees each other and at the copier and all that, but it's how has, I, I feel for you and Diane trying to adjust to your new role, but also during a time where your, your hands are kind of tied in sure. meeting people. So how is that going for you? So um, we didn't have to move. We were already living. Uh, we live in between Mint Hill and Harrisburg in unincorporated Mecklenburg County, and we've been here for a while. We tried to find a place that was in the center between our two churches. Um, so we didn't have to move our house, which was, um, you know, uh, an, uh, an incredible blessing. Yes. <laughs> Just, it's like we Methodist pastors know how to move, but... <laughs> It is sure not cheap, I tell you. And the conference helps and the church helps, but it, it's just, it's like I label my boxes 
of what books are in them, like what category of books, so that when I, I'm like, I need that book, where is that book? Because uh, in years past, uh, I didn't do that. And then it's like, you got packing paper and tape and boxes everywhere trying to find one book for a sermon. And um, it's just a grand adventure. So I'm grateful that we didn't have to do that. My first appointment was um, the three-point charge and the church office was in the basement of the parsonage. Talk about not distinguishing work and home. Um, Again, that's normal. Right, right. That's that's, that's, that was the norm. That was the norm. Right. And so the the person who did the bulletins would just show up at the basement of the parsonage when it was time to print the bulletins and uh, go downstairs. Oh, hey, how you doing? You know, uh, good to see you. Um, (laughs) Let me just do my laundry while you're here. (laughs) Right. That was upstairs. It was all good. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, So, before I got to that house, the basement had flooded, which there are two types of basements, basements that will flood and basements who have flooded. You know, that, that's the option. It's like, it's gonna happen or it has happened. So um, my office was this tea tiny little table in the kitchen of the parsonage. So I started my first appointment um, dislocated, if you will, um, with my computer sitting on the kitchen table. So as I start another appointment dislocated, um, I remember, you know, what it's like to have started an appointment at home um, because I did in that, that first parsonage. Um, but it is very strange to not be able to be with people. And even when I'm with people with the mask on, it's like I'm in a fog. It's like, are you there or are you not? I mean, I'm not trying to dramatize that, but it's, it is another barrier between us that disconnects us. And I wear a mask. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with wearing the mask. I think it's important. Um, so I'm not saying that. Um, right, right. But um, it, it I is, remember you yeah. saying um, two Sundays ago when you and Diane were at church, and I don't know if you said it or Diane, but one of you was like, it's so interesting because we see everybody, but like, I never know how tall anybody is. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Shane, I didn't know you were this tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all the same height on I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, you know, but I will say that, you know, people have said to me um, sincerely uh, how hard this has been for them not to be in the church or in the sanctuary. I think most people listening would underestimate how hard it is for the pastors not to see the people. Yeah. We actually need each other. Sure. Um, you know, even preaching, and maybe I've touched on this and I won't dwell on it, but when you're preaching to a space where there are no bodies in it, it affects the message. It affects the person speaking. Ministry is relational at its core. And we're, we are still, we still have relationships, but it is not the same expression. Sure. Uh, so it's hard for us too. And, and I was going to ask the same question. I could not imagine starting a new appointment, really not being able to be shoulder to shoulder. Uh, Pope Francis said that, uh, that pastors need to smell like the sheep. You know, if, they, if pastors are shepherds, the shepherds need to smell like the sheep. Well, we're not able to be shoulder to shoulder with our people right now. And uh, that's very difficult. Yeah. And we are very much about the body. Um, I mean, think about communion and the importance of the body. And I think of the, the scripture that talks about when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. I mean, sure. we are connected. And the very fact that Christ came to be with us speaks. Not virtually. 
Yeah. No, speech to the nature of who God is. God is, um, there's a Jerry Clower um, uh, joke that talks about them. They were up there in the tree. They were fighting, shoot in amongst us. God is amongst us, right? Um, and, you know, it's hard to not be amongst. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'll, 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 one, uh, I'm sorry, one last point. I think Sam Wells, is it Sam Wells, uh, the former dean of Duke Chapel, who said the most important word in the Bible is the word with. Mm -hmm. with. Yeah, no, absolutely. God it's, with us. Yes. Uh, compassion means suffering with someone. We need to be with each other. Yeah. You know, thanks be to God uh, for technology that allows this. Uh, yep. Years ago, 25 years ago, uh, we would be really in, uh, uh, in a whole new environment. Uh, but with, think about that, with the most important word in the Bible. Yeah, he, he draws that like four quadrant and it's like doing things for people or doing things with people. Right. Right. And it's important for us, you know, when I think about mission, I think we are with people. We don't just do things for people. You know, sure. it's easy to write a check and it's hard. Um, right. And that's doing something for somebody. Yeah, but and the incarnation be, of Jesus is not God over us. Right, right. God, uh, or even God under us or God apart from us, but God with us. Yes. Accompanying yes. us. Yeah. With, there it is again, the link. I love it. I love it. So since you've been here, I mean, it's only been technically, what, like 13 days? <laughs> I think, or like, like two weeks, basically. So come on, what's your plans? What, what do you hope to accomplish? Fill us right. in on everything that you're, obviously, um, Alexis had a lot. I mean, Alexis had done a lot while she was here for the last five years and really set up some programs and, and um, had, had done a lot of work. And so just curious as to kind of what some of your sites have been or what you your first impressions, I guess, and if you do have any short-term goals that you see ahead. You know, one of the things that um, we're always encouraged as pastors when we move to a new place is uh, that the first part is building relationships with people. I mean, that's where we start. We, we just spoke about it, um, uh, about how Christ works with us and is in relationship with us. So, uh, short-term goals is to build relationships with people and to learn about um, the awesome work uh, that is happening uh, in and through Davidson UMC. Um, I think Alexis did uh, exceptional work in developing the, uh, the missions department and to moving from that model of doing stuff for people to, to doing stuff with people um, and to think about how do we transform the entire community? How do we help people uh, to move from a place of um, relying on um, a handout to um, having dignity and um, empower them uh, to be a part of the transformation in their life? You know, we're a part of, of how God works in our life. And, um, you know, we have a response. Like we have a responsibility uh, to live out our faith. Um, uh, um, Randy Maddox is one, kind of uh, one of the Methodist uh, theologians um, and uh, Wesley theologians and his book is Responsible Grace. Like it's not just about um, what God did, but it's also about our response. You know, I think of baptism, you know, what happens at baptism? Well, it is um, us acknowledging and renouncing our, our sins, 
but it's also about Christ grafting us or being grafted back into Christ. So it's kind of this both and piece of, um, of that. So um, I think the work that has been done and the, the groups that have been created, uh, the strategy team, the liaison team, all of that um, is really great work. And at least what I'm seeing right now is I'm excited uh, to look at it and see how can I continue to help this grow. What, what are the, the fresh eyes that I have that I can offer to the table? But I'm not trying to do that with outside of the relationships that I build with people who are a part of uh, the internal church work of that and community partners that we have and participants within the programs. Yeah, and that's exactly how tradition works, you know, in the classic sense of of, of Christianity is that it's, uh, it is, I've heard it said, it is the play of lively minds down to the centuries where, you know, we have successors to us who build on what we have established mm-hmm. and see over time this development um, and expansion of what God started, you know, and it doesn't deviate from what came uh, before us. It's not a deviation. Um, it's an extension. Mm-hmm. More developed extension, kind of like the acorn to the tree. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same species, but it's developing. And and what you just said is exactly uh, how church tradition down to the ages is when it's at its best, building upon mm-hmm. what others have uh, have already built. Our, my church history professor, first semester of seminary, he was like, "When you stand in the pulpit, you stand with two thousand years of church history behind you. Um, so you're really the old ones, you know, yeah. in the room." Uh, because you have all that behind you, you know, and the great cloud of witnesses, you know, that, that we talk about. So. Yeah. Well, Willimon, uh, while he was a preacher at Duke Chapel, uh, it was a sermon of his, I could have gotten some of the the facts wrong, but he always wondered why there was a Jerome or one of the saints with a quill feather and a quill and and writing. Mm -hmm. Why in the world is this on the pulpit carved into stone on the pulpit? This person, you know, writing something, then you realize, oh, I know what he's doing. He's taking notes. <laughs> I'm saying because ultimately I'm going to be answerable to, to this guy. Yeah. He interpreted the Bible. Um, so these great people before us. So just reminded me of that. Well, and I think <laughs> are taking notes. Yeah. Well, I also we're going to be think, answerable to that. Yeah. I think that, you know, if, if as I've, I've listened to some of your preaching chain is, that that you value the church fathers and mothers um and you know how how we've looked at this through through the years to help us not be in a silo in kind of what we think in that particular moment yeah I, that's that's really critical for me i've always looked at it as why when why in the world would i seek to reinvent the wheel well i mean would any golfer ever say jack nicholas please um you know, Tiger Woods. Come on, uh, I, I don't. I don't need to learn the game of golf from 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 those guys. Um, there's another one. I can't think of his name though. Someone back in the '50s who was a great golfer. No, they're there to so you can learn from, imitate, imitate them, imitate the swing, the form. And so I I do like to sit at the feet of some of the great minds of the church because mm-hmm. I I think they still speak to us. Yeah ways and I want to learn from the masters just like anybody would want to learn from the masters in any field. Mm-hmm. Shane do you have any um we do have we do have something else we're gonna do 
spread that you don't know about. <laughs> but Shane, do you have any other questions relating to, you know, any of what we just talked about or, or where he, you know, questions regarding missions or anything for Brad? Well, I, I know that when, uh, when he sat down for the interview, I had the first question. And uh, I remember the first question I asked him after I, I prayed was, what is the gospel? I'm not going to ask him that. And I remember he was just like, what a great question. Hit the ground running. <laughs> Boom, there we are. I would say that what drives you, uh, for everybody listening, uh, Brad, what, what motivates you? What drives you? And, I, I, and I'm asking that in a theological sense. I mean, what is it about God? your relationship with God uh, that motivates you to be in this line of work? So I remember that question from the Board of Ordained Ministry, I think for ordination. Um, and uh, the answer is call. I mean, that's, I do this because I'm called to it. Mm -hmm. And I can't not do this. Um, I have a full, uh, kind of a broad view of what ministry looks like. Because mm -hmm. wherever we go, there we are. And so I think God gives us different interests so that wherever we, we find ourselves, that we can share the good news with those people. What is it Francis said? Preach the gospel, uh, and if necessary, use words, right? So wherever we find ourselves, you know, that's where we are. I like ham radio. I like to ski. I like to be a volunteer firefighter. Wherever I go, um, I'm sharing the good news in those places as well, which is outside of the church. So and um, then in terms of, um, I um, have, have always had this draw, call, if you will, uh, to go, to do something, to be a part of something. Um, first, I think we're informed by um, what Wesley would say, acts of piety. So uh, communion, scripture, Christian community, those things kind of ground us and root us and then move to the acts of mercy. Um, which is uh, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, uh, those types of things. Um, so I love to live in the, the mercy piece to offer that, um, mm -hmm. because in that um, I'm offering Christ and I'm receiving Christ in that moment, right? I'm, I'm uh, helping someone else be transformed. One of the, the most favorite things of being a preacher is to, or a pastor, all that, um, is um, to watch people go, and they get it. Like, right. to watch people say, wow, you know, this is, here we are. And sometimes that happens in reading scripture, and sometimes that happens at soup kitchens, and sometimes that happens driving down the road, you know, um, or uh, uh, in worship, or um, in creation, or wherever it is. So, First, I'm, uh, I'm driven by my call, um, and I'm driven by the, the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. Yeah, before we go to the last segment, one of the things that I've been on kind of a kick for the last uh, three or four years is, is trying to rekindle a sense of mission for all of us. You know, we call, we're going to call you the pastor of missions, minister of missions, but you know, I've been writing these daily devotions on Facebook, and any time we go through John's gospel, and for the reading, I've, I've noticed more and more how Jesus does not really describe himself other than I'm the one whom has been sent. I am he who, who my father has sent. I am the sent one, sent, sent. He keeps describing himself as the one who is sent. We are sent. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we are now sent in the one who is sent. And so to be baptized in Christ is to be sent in mission. And so all of us really need, I've been trying to rekindle this. All of us have a mission. Mm -hmm. You are a follower of Christ. You are in mission with him. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just kind of a quiet contemplative life, although that's very foundational. Mm -hmm. But how can we understand ourselves as I, Shane, and the one who is sent. Mm -hmm. I, Karen, and the one who is sent. I am sent. And we're sent to our families. We're sent to our schools. But yeah. plus, we need to understand ourselves to be in mission. Yeah, and I think that plays into the foundation of our, our understanding of grace with the, the whole sanctification piece. Like, we... So, some people say that, you know, I was saved on this moment or I was saved here. Well, I believe that we are being saved. Well, that's scripture. That comes right out of 1 Corinthians 15. Right. We are being saved. Yes. Right. And it is us all. That's, that's one Very of good. That, that was my daughter. She was <laughs> rushing somewhere. Let's see if we, everybody can see her coming back out. <laughs> <laughs> or she may just stay in there. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> slowly back <laughs> work from home yeah that's just that's just a hazard of it uh, well so um shade and i were having a little bit of a laugh um with you joining us we were saying oh let's hit him hard let's ask him some really hard-hitting questions and shane was like hey we should um maybe do like what what james lipton did on bravo um inside the actor's studio are you familiar with that show brad no. That's oh. probably before his time, you know. I was gonna say going on too young. Yeah. So this guy James Lipton, he had a show inside the actor's studio and he had over he had over hundreds of well-known, really big actors and actresses on his show. And it was it was really he was a very good interviewer, much better than me. But um he always ended with a list of questions and he would just ask these like boom, boom, boom questions to, to people. And um, so we're going to do the same to you. They're, they've been tweaked. Some of them have been tweaked. Yeah, some of them can't be used. Yeah, some of them are not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we thought we would just kind of do that same format of asking you some, some, there are only eight questions and it's more of just what comes to the top of your mind first just kind of like just shout it out there's no right or wrong answer and, and you read them all Karen I don't uh, yeah you have them and you, you yeah I'll, I'll ask them and then um but it's not like we're going to discuss them it's just you just tell us what it is and then we we just I'll ask you the next question no is pressure. that possible for pastors not to discuss yeah. it <laughs> that's right <laughs> brevity is not our forte yeah it's like <laughs> okay so here's all right what is your favorite scripture reading yes <laughs> you, you gotta have it all well that's not a james lipton question though that's, no that was no his was what's your favorite word yeah so that, that's that's that question favorite scripture reading since it's the word of god <laughs> yeah grace okay so, all right so that's good all right what's your favorite hymn uh be thou my vision what is your favorite religious holiday uh christmas what sound or noise do you love? Uh, ambulance siren. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, um, uh, I immediately went to that uh, Dumb and Dumber 
um, clip of the like <laughs> part of that movie. It's the first thing that came to my head. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I w wanted to be a doctor when I was uh, um, a kid medical doctor i'm going back to school in the fall to be to do the doctor of, of ministry at duke so there's a, a a neighbor of that but okay what profession would you like not to do i, I don't think now that i've had a child i would want to wash the windows in uptown <laughs> <laughs> Um, when you get to heaven, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, you make me cry. Um, well, of course, the uh, well done, good and faithful servant is the answer, but I, I immediately thought of my dad um, oh. and uh, just getting to see him again. Awesome. Awesome. You know, this reminds me uh, when Harry, you know, you know, you know, all Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course, Indiana we know. Indiana Jones, come on. He was asked that Star Wars. question. Uh, um, he was asked that question, if, uh, if, if you stand before God, the pearly gates, what would you want uh, God to say to you? Or what would you expect God to say to you? And he said something like, uh, what all celebrities hear, uh, you look different in person. <laughs> <laughs> You're taller than I thought you were. <laughs> so you got to do something, I guess, different for Diane. Uh, with the eight questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we, we can, we, yeah, we'll, 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 sh we'll shake things up for her and, and we're going to introduce her. I mean, our, my, my goal was actually to have you in the room with me and then we could talk together and introduce you to the congregation. But of course, since we need to distance ourselves, we, we would do it this way. But I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. And I encourage everybody listening to reach out to Brad, um, B. Hinton at DavidsonUMC.org and, and say a word of welcome, especially during this time for all of our new clergy. Um, reach out to them and um, build relationships because uh, we, we depend on, on relationships. It's, it's really our energy. It's what motivates us in so many ways. So I, I welcome you here and I'm looking forward to the great things uh, the Lord's going to do uh, through your ministry and with the people with whom you're going to serve. Awesome. Yes, we're all excited to have you here. Definitely. Just even others on, on staff are excited to have you here as well. So um, thank you to everybody that um, was listening or watching today. We appreciate your time. And if you have any future topics or questions or anything that you would like for us to discuss, please don't hesitate to email me at kpayne at davidsonumc.org. We love hearing from you guys and um, hope everybody stays healthy. And um, we will see you next week with probably Diane. Take care and have a great day.